You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy Timberwolves game day. We have a packed show today on the weekend, the Friday show leading into Wolves Nets, a lot to talk about. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, the show is free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube, as well as all of your audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, today on the show, I want to talk about uh, the Timberwolves and the foul line. I want to talk about uh, the fouls committed. We've talked about this a lot on the show already. The Wolves are tops in the league in fouls committed per game. But how does that compare to the past couple of seasons, to the league as a whole? What does that mean for their defense as a unit? And also look at the issues the Wolves had drawing fouls on offense. So I want to talk about both sides of that coin. Then we'll talk about Anthony Edwards at the rim. Uh, I talked about this a little bit in the post game after Wednesday's loss. Ant missed a few more layups. Where does he stack up? What, how is he doing finishing at the rim compared to where he probably should be based on league average? Um, and then we'll finish by looking at how difficult this Timberwolves schedule is over the next few weeks. And uh, also the Wolves-Nets game coming up tonight, Friday night. Okay, um, so related to Timberwolves and personal fouls, um, the Wolves have been basically first all season in personal fouls per game, uh, league wide. And there's lots of different ways we can, we can kind of slice this. And I pointed this out in the past, but the Wolves have been number one in fouls per game. Currently they're, they commit 23.1 personal fouls per game. The next closest team is 20.6. That means it's 2.5 full fouls more per game for the Wolves. By the way, there's three teams that are between 20 and, and uh, 21 per game. There's four more, or excuse me, no. Wow. That uh, like 10 more between 19 and 20. So there's a massive gap between the Timberwolves and like the next 10 teams that all, you know, in terms of how many personal fouls per game, that's one way to measure it. Of course, that doesn't take into, into account pace, number of possessions per game. Um, and so we could look at free throw attempts by opponent uh, per field goal attempt by opponent. So that's exactly what it sounds like for every field goal attempted by the opponent. How many free throws do they also attempt? Timberwolves are also dead last in that category probably not surprisingly, at 0.217. And again, it's not close. The next closest team is the Chicago Bulls at 0.202. So the Timberwolves have a full 1.5, a full free throw and a half more per field goal uh, each game allowed uh, because of their foul problems. So they're dead last in opponent free throw attempts per field goal attempts and dead last in personal fouls per game. Not good. I talked about this. I think it was the show right before Thanksgiving, maybe uh, right before the Heat game last Wednesday, about 10 days ago, um, when I talked about, hey, if the Wolves could improve their defensive rebound and if they could not foul so much, they'd be a top 10 defense easily. Well, I mean, they're still sitting, what are they, number nine right now? Yeah, number nine coming into play on Thursday. This doesn't include Thursday night's games. Number nine in defensive rating, defensive efficiency, according to basketball references metric. And they're still dead last in defensive rebound percentage and in free throw uh, you know, personal fouls per game and opponent free throw attempts per field goal attempt. Um, so how does that look compared to the rest of the league? Well, I already talked about how they're by far the worst in each of those categories. The second worst team in terms of personal fouls per game is the Miami Heat. They're 11th in defensive rating. 
So they're only two spots behind the Timberwolves. The second worst team in opponent field free throw attempts per field goal attempts is the Chicago Bulls. They're seventh in defensive rating. Um, you look at the at the at the bottom five, the teams that commit the most fouls per game and allow essentially the most free throws per game based on number of, of opponent shots. Um of, of those 10 teams, so we're talking bottom five in each category, seven of them are top 15 defenses. So the only outliers are Houston, who's just a bad team, and they're 19th in defense. So still not even a bottom 10 defense. And they're fifth in each category. And then Toronto's third in free throw attempts, third worst in free throw attempts allowed per opponent field goal per attempt. They're 23rd. But everybody else is top 15. And we're talking the Timberwolves and the Bulls as both top 10 defenses that are in the bottom two in those categories. So there isn't a direct correlation necessarily between frequency of fouling and allowing opponents to shoot free throws and overall defensive success. Go back to last season, the 2020-21 season, a similar story. It's more of a mixed bag. I mean, Golden State was second worst in both categories. They were the fifth best defense in the league last year. Uh, the Knicks were the fifth worst team in terms of free fouls per game, and they were a top. Th- they were the third best defense. But it's it's mixed in. It's 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 kind of like you got a the Timberwolves were the 25th ranked defense last year, and they were bottom five in both categories last year. You got a bunch of teams kind of in that 15 to 25 range. Two years ago, the 1920 season. More of the same, a lot more teams in the teens and 20s. There's only a one top 10 defense in there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, first of all, the direct correlation between fouls committed by a defense and having a bad defense, it's not quite as as direct as you would think it would be, right? You would assume that the teams that commit the most fouls, that give up the most free throw attempts, would be the league's worst defenses. It's more likely that that's true. But that's certainly not exclusively the case. Again, Golden State and the Knicks last year, go back a couple of years, the Clippers were a top five defense that were bottom five and fouls allowed per game or fouls committed per game. And then this year, the Timberwolves, the Bulls, the Pacers are, are 12th, by the way, in defensive rating. And they're fourth on this list in both categories this season. The second thing that that tells us is that we're only a quarter of the way through this season and season's not over today. So this thing has time to kind of correct itself, right? So what does that mean? It means that eventually this is likely to catch up to the Timberwolves. They've had some good fortune um, in terms of in terms of um, still winning games despite the fact that they're fouling like crazy, right? That could very well eventually catch up to the Timberwolves, and that's something they have to be really cognizant of. Um, so it goes back to the conversation from last week, defending without fouling. Can the Timberwolves figure out how to defend without fouling? Uh, because eventually it's going to catch up to them in some way, shape, or form. The other thing is um, is the point that I made last week. If the choice is, this is, this is uh, I don't know, this is oversimplifying it, admittedly, but if the choice is playing aggressively and committing a foul and allowing some free throws versus just simply not being aggressive, not blocking shots, not getting steals, not contesting shots on the perimeter, um, not trying to fight through screens, not trying to get over screens, just playing drop coverage and sitting back and allowing a few extra dunks or layups or wide open threes per game. You obviously want to be more aggressive and force the official to blow their whistle. And I've, I've said this a lot on the show, but I, I want to reiterate this. You know, if, if nine times or, you know, say the opponent gets 10 shots in the paint and you're not contesting them, they're going to make at least nine out of 10 of those shots, right? If you're contesting them, you might get called for a couple of fouls, maybe three, four fouls out of 10, but the ones you're not getting called, they're not going to call a foul every time. First of all, hopefully you're not actually fouling every time. Second of all, they're not going to call it every time. So the aggressive defenses are always going to be the better defenses. Now there's obviously a, a, a point of diminishing returns there. You don't want to be you don't want to be the team that commits the most fouls. You don't want to be the team that allows the most free throw attempts against you. 
But you'd rather err on that side than err on the lackadaisical hands-off defense that we've seen far too often throughout Timberwolves history. So, uh, you know, I, I think that I'd rather the Timberwolves be in this spot, be the number nine defense and still struggle with fouls um, than obviously be a, a 20th ranked defense that never fouls, right? I, I mean, the, there's no comparison there. But will this catch up to them? Um, so sitting here today, essentially a quarter of the way through the season, I feel really good about the Timberwolves defense. And I think this is correctable. Um, certainly Jaden McDaniels and Carl Anthony Towns have been two of the, two of the biggest culprits in terms of committing a lot of fouls individually. I also think that Timberwolves games have not necessarily been officiated, uh, all too evenly. I think we'll, we'll say it. Um, I'm just going to briefly touch on this because again, quarter of the way through the season, I don't know if this is a true trend or not yet. But the Timberwolves are, again, dead last in terms of allowing fouls per game and opponent free throws per field goal attempt. They're number 22 in free throw attempts per field goal attempt on offense. So they're 22nd in essentially free throw rate as a team. However, they're 10th in the league in field goal attempts within three feet of the basket. Um, obviously, you know, not every foul call, not every shooting foul um, is, is occurring within three feet of the basket, but a lot of them are. And if the Timberwolves are top 10 in field goal attempts within three feet, they're actually 12th in layup attempts per game and 10th in dunk attempts per game league-wide. How are they 22nd in free throw attempts per field goal attempt? Now, they're also the league leader in three-point attempts per game. So they're top 10 in shots at the rim and they're, they're number one in three-point attempts. So that's, that's going to factor into it a little bit. But if you're top 10 in attempts at the rim, you should also be a little bit higher than 22nd in terms of free throw rate. So that's at some point got to even out a little bit. Maybe the Wolves get called for less fouls and they draw more fouls and those numbers come together. Ultimately, I think that'll help the Timberwolves. Um, it obviously would help the Timberwolves if they commit less fouls and, and draw more fouls. So that's that's one one place where we could see some clear improvement just because of the regression or progression to the mean, uh, because that's that's got to happen at some point. So. I just want to throw that out there in terms of the disparity. You know, I've, I've had some theories throughout the season. There's been a couple of games in particular that have been officiated really poorly. Uh, but that's something that, um, even if it's not, even if it's fluky, it's notable that there's that big of a gap in terms of fouls committed versus fouls drawn. Um, so something to keep an eye on. We'll definitely check back on, check back on that later this season. Um, here probably about at the midway point. Okay, next I want to talk about uh, the Timberwolves at the rim and specifically Anthony Edwards. So we're going to do that here next. And then we'll finish the show by talking about the upcoming schedule as well as the matchup on Friday night between the Timberwolves and the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. First, let's talk about the title sponsors of today's show. And that, of course, is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, let's talk about making shots at the rim. I, I I griped about this a little bit after the Timberwolves uh the Timberwolves loss on Wednesday. Um and 
Anthony Edwards in particular really struggled at the rim in that game. Uh, there's been a couple of those in the last week where I don't know if it's he's athletic enough. He can avoid contact and still make shots, right? We've seen him do that. We've seen him, you know, with acrobatic reverse layups, but occasionally it's, it's too much for his own good. And he just misses shots that he should otherwise make. He's also had some issues with some of those scoop layups when he gets out a little bit wide, almost kind of to the edge of the paint and tries to scoop the ball up and in around the defender. And he hasn't had great accuracy on that. Um, However, the numbers weren't actually as bad as I expected them to be when I did dig into it in terms of his field goal uh, percentage at the rim. Um, his field goal, his number of field goal attempts at the rim are actually down this year. He's only attempting 28% of his field goals at the rim versus just under 31% last year. Um, and by at the rim, I mean within three feet of the rim. This is according to basketball references numbers. Um, but he's shooting 64.4% within three feet, which is fine. League average is right around 60%. Um, and it's just a hair under where he was last year, 64.7%. So he's above, above league average at the rim. You'd like to see that number be a little bit better for Anthony Edwards because he's ultra athletic and he's really big and he's got great touch. Um, so you'd still like to see it come up a little bit, but it's hard to complain about above league average, especially when still just a hair under a third of his attempts are coming from there. Now, his free throw rate, that's really kind of another story. That's down significantly this year, which again... Going back to what I said last segment, if his shots at the rim are only down this much, his free throw rate shouldn't be down, you know, almost a half free throw per game, which is what it what it is, or half free throw, I should say, per field goal attempt. Um, and, and actually on a per game basis, it's down, his free throw attempts are down 0.3 per game. Um, so he's getting less calls at the rim. He's also finishing at a slightly lower clip. Um, and, it, you know, I would expect it to be a little bit better for Ant. I think part of it is technique, part of it's frustration, part of it is he's too athletic for his own good and he's trying to avoid the contact. Now, I don't want him to absorb too much contact and and obviously, you know, risk getting injured or getting bruised and battered this early in the season. But, uh, you know, he he's big enough. He should be able to, and we've seen him do it, absorb contact and finish plays and, and generate and one opportunities. Um, you know, he's done that. Uh, so far this season, he has, according to basketball reference, eight and ones um, so far this year. He had 34 last year in 72 games. So he's just a hair behind that pace, uh, actually a little more than a hair behind that pace uh, where that was last year. And again, I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more calls at this point. He's a borderline star in this league already, and he should be getting some more of those calls. So I compared him to the rest of the team. And at NBA.com, which is just, I like the way that, that they do this a little bit better than at basketball reference NBA stats that NBA.com has less than five feet instead of less than three feet. And on the Timberwolves within five feet, Anthony Edwards is, if you look at rotation players, he's seventh on the team in field goal percentage at the rim. He's behind Patrick Beverly, by the way, leads the way at 68%. He's obviously got less attempts, but, um, he's still one and a half a game, 68% at the rim. Jade McDaniel, 65%, believe it or not on two attempts per game. Nas read 64% on just under four attempts per game. Nas is fantastic at the rim. Uh, Torian Prince, Prince uh, under one attempt per game. Carlton Towns is 62.4% at the rim. Vanderbilt's over 60%. Anthony Edwards down at 58.8%. I'm saying at the rim, this is less than five feet. So Ant's only 59% essentially within five feet. That number should be higher. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating that it's not a little bit higher. Um, and again, that he's not drawing more fouls. I say that not to, to rip on Ant because he's getting the shots at the rim, but if he simply was getting the calls to the level he was last year and he maybe drove one or two more times a game, think about what those numbers could look like for him. 
Um, as it is, you look at his per game numbers, he's up over 22 points a game. He's shooting 43% from the field. Um, and he's still only attempting three and a half free throws per game. If, if you add a couple more free throw attempts per game, you know, even one and a half more free throw attempts per game, say he shoots a hair better at the rim. And you're talking about a guy who's averaging 25 points a game and he's his three point shooting percentage is already up to just a shade under 35% on the year, which is up over 33 last year, 33% last season. Um, so we're, we may be on the cusp of seeing this breakthrough because he's going to get more calls. He's going to shoot better at the rim as he gets more experienced and understands he can go through people. He doesn't have to go around them. Um, he's obviously trying to go over them all the time. Um, but it, at some point, he's going to start to get more of these calls. As a team, the Timberwolves have struggled at the rim this year as well. Again, if league average is 60% and the Timberwolves, you know, take out Torian Prince because the, the number of attempts are really low. The Timberwolves only have four guys that are in the rotation that are shooting over over league average from at the rim. And they've, the majority of the rotation is below league average. So they've got to improve a little bit there if they want to see the offensive efficiency continue to improve. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, all right, next I want to look at the schedule upcoming. It gets brutal and, and the brutal stretch has already begun. I want to look at that. And then briefly the Wolves Nets preview. The Nets are one of the league's best teams. Timberwolves take them on at Barclays Center on Friday night. We're going to talk about that here next. First though, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so many so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the boast, the bo the best of both world worlds. Delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it because it's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. I know I am. They'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. Uh, for instance, uh, cookies and cream. I think everybody I've ever talked to uh, really likes anything with coconut and then anything with the brownie chunks. Um, I'll, I'll fight for those any day of the week. Um, are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few built bars in those stockings. There's so many flavors. They'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt just a little bit and give your beverage a bit of that built bar flavor. Plus you'll have a nice melty built bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand, uh, because it will, I mean, it's hundred percent real chocolate. It's, it's going to get a little bit melty. Uh, do you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays? You need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good. You won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. All right, let's talk Wolves-Nets. Uh, we'll do that first, and then I want to peek at the schedule. So the Nets are one of the league's best teams um, and have been all season. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. The only two teams with better records are Phoenix and Golden State, of course, both in the West. Brooklyn's 15-6 and six so far this year. They've won five out of their last six. And you know, going back a little bit further, they've won eight out of their last 10 games. Their only loss is coming against the Suns and the Warriors, the, the aforementioned two teams that actually have better records. Besides them, the only games that they've lost are to the Bulls, Heat, 
Hornets and Bucks, all of which are winning teams right now. Um, so the Nets have been fantastic. They've made some rotation changes. Blake Griffin uh, is no longer a regular part of the Nets rotation. Um, and it's interesting. He, I believe, started for, for the a good chunk of the first portion of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but now he's coming off the bench for them or excuse me, not even coming off the bench. He's, he's out of the regular rotation and the nets are pretty public about that. Um, that he's no longer part of, of this team's rotation. Um, so anyway, some rotation tweaks, obviously no Kyrie Irving. Um, Joe Harris is, is out for at least the next, I believe six to eight weeks, uh, ankle surgery for him. So Kevin Durant and James Harden are kind of the whole show. Um, and everybody that scores for them, everybody that's a major part of the rotation is, is, uh, a little bit on the wrong side of 30. We'll, we'll say so Durant Harden, uh, Patty Mills, a big part of what they do. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously now as well. Um, and, and you know, Harden maybe hasn't been quite as efficient as we're used to seeing. He's he's uh, getting to the free throw line a little bit less. His field goal percentage is down under 42%, but he's still averaging 21 points a game, and he's still James Harden. Kevin Durant's been phenomenal, one of the best players in the league so far this season, of course. Uh, and the Nets as a team, um, they're a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. Not surprisingly, number nine in offensive rating, number eight in defensive rating. The Timberwolves, of course, are ninth in defensive rating. I think offensively, the Wolves are like 16th or 17th right now. Um and the the Nets are they don't shoot a ton of threes. They're twentieth in three point attempts per game, but they're third in percentage. They also get to the free throw line quite a bit. Uh, they're not a very good rebounding team. They don't crash the offensive glass. They're last in offensive rebounding, which will help because the Timberwolves, of course, are last in defensive rebounding. It's one of those hey, something's got to give games. Um, hopefully, uh, assuming Vanderbilt, you know, he didn't play Monday due to flu like symptoms, but he played Wednesday. Seemed to half step slow. Hopefully, he's feeling healthier up to speed on Friday because Vando and Towns are going to need to clean the glass. And also Towns, we don't know his status as of yet. Of course, x-rays were negative um, following the game on Wednesday on his lower back tailbone area. So hopefully he's able to play Friday. But if Towns and Vando can clear the glass for the Timberwolves, uh, they shouldn't have too many problems on the defensive glass uh, given the Nets' uh, you know, kind of disinterest, I guess, in, in offensive rebounds. Um, so that's an area that is usually of concern for me related to the Wolves on the glass, but they should be okay. And the Nets aren't exactly, uh, you know, fantastic defensive rebounders either. They're 22nd in defensive rebound rate overall this season. Um, officially related to the injury report, the Timberwolves, this is as of late Thursday, um, the Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns listed as questionable due to the tailbone contusion suffered on Wednesday. They also have uh, Jaden McDaniels as questionable. He's missed the last two games with flu-like symptoms. Jalen Noel has been added as questionable due to a non-COVID illness. Both Edwards and Vanderbilt, who both played Wednesday, are probable due to flu-like symptoms. So they've got four guys on the injury report due to non-COVID illnesses. Two are questionable, two are probable, and Carl Anthony Towns is questionable due to the tailbone contusion. I speculated this on Wednesday after the game. At the time when I recorded, I did not know that the X-rays were negative. I speculated that perhaps the Timberwolves would hold him out because they have Saturday and Sunday off, so that would give him four full days of rest before playing on Monday. No idea as of this recording if he's going to play or not. If he plays, this should be a really fun game. I think the Timberwolves can give the Nets a run for their money because of the way that the Wolves play and because of the way that the Nets play. Um, some of the Nets' weaknesses line up with the Wolves' weaknesses, and so... Um, I think those are areas that the Wolves can can play them to a draw. Um, and the Nets also play fairly fast as well. So it's not like it's going to be a battle of, you know, the more experienced team, um, you know, is able to slow the game. I mean, they can slow it down if they want to, but the Nets don't. Uh, the Nets would prefer to play fast and prefer to get shots at the rim. Um, you know, Durant can get his shot anytime he wants. Um, but 
and also hopefully Jaden McDaniels can play. I'd love to see him go against Kevin Durant. Uh, Vanderbilt, I think, would do okay against against Durant. Um, and but but I'd love to see Jaden McDaniels guard. Kevin Durant. I think that'd be a ton of fun. So that's Friday night's game. We'll of course do the post game pod late Friday. So that will be up um, for your weekend. And then no game Saturday or Sunday. We'll be back Monday, of course, with the regular Monday through Friday schedule. Um, quickly though, let's look at the Timberwolves upcoming schedule. Um, I, I mentioned this the other day and then I wrote something for Dunkin' with Wolves where I kind of dug into the upcoming schedule. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the exact number here. Um, but the, the Timberwolves schedule is like, is, practically impossible upcoming in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, the, 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 the opposing teams they're going to face. Um, I think it's 16 of the next 17 games are against teams that currently as of today have above 500 records. Now, some of them aren't by much. I mean, Atlanta, uh, Cleveland, Portland, those teams are all kind of a game above 500, but I mean, you look at the rest of this month, the Timberwolves don't have consecutive games against teams with a losing record until January 5th and 7th. That's more than a month from now against the Oklahoma city thunder. And until then, Brooklyn, one of the best teams in the league. Atlanta, Utah, Cleveland, Portland, Denver, the Lakers, two games against Dallas, Utah, Boston, and then the Knicks. The Knicks are the only team, I think they're a game below 500 as of right now, and then Utah, Lakers, Clippers, uh, and I think the Lakers are kind of right hovering around that 500 mark, but nobody's going to, I mean, LeBron James is going to be back by the time the Wolves play the Lakers again. He's a, he's already been cleared to play um, post-COVID. So, I, I mean, you have to get until January 5th before they play another uh, 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 clear quote unquote bad team or a tanking team. And then they get two against Oklahoma city, Houston, new Orleans, all in a row. So they got four consecutive games, January 5th to 11th against some of the league's worst teams in the thunder rockets and Pelicans. But until then it's going to be rough sledding. Um, and thankfully there's, you know, it's, it's roughly half of them at home, half on the road. There's no road trip longer than three games over that stretch. So, if the Timberwolves can be somewhere around 500 through that stretch, um, you know, be somewhere in the, what would it be like 17 and 17 or something like that as we get into the first week of January, uh, I think they'd feel pretty good about where they're sitting. They would certainly be in the top 10 in the West because the West right now is so top heavy with Phoenix and Golden State. Uh, but but sitting in that seven to 10 range come come first, second week of January would feel pretty good, I think, given given how difficult the schedule is. Okay, um, that's all we have for you today. Again, post-game pod Friday night following Wolves-Nets. Also back on Monday, Monday through Friday next week. Regular daily schedule. If you're already a subscriber or follower of the podcast, first of all, thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can listen on any platform. If you haven't watched on YouTube, please give us a subscribe, a like, a comment over there. I definitely appreciate it. You can also listen on your favorite audio platform, whether that's Apple, Google, Spotify, or perhaps the all-new Odyssey app. Uh, if you do listen on any of those platforms there as well, please review, uh, give us five stars if you love the podcast. Definitely appreciate that, and it goes a long way. Um, and, and I can't I can't say enough how much I appreciate it. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves, and then my account is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. That's all we have for today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Podcast Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.